And think back, think back now, now that the internet is so much a part of our lives, think back, think back to our first password, because our minds, our brains are so filled with passwords. It's such a struggle for us to remember all the passwords. We go to businesses online and you go, I can't remember, I can't remember my password. And you put it, sometimes they lock you out and they go, no, you've got one more try to remember your own password, you fucking idiot. Oh. <laughs> or you click, I forgot it, and they ask you questions about your life and you don't even remember the answers. They're about your own life. What is your favorite pet? Oh no, I can't believe I chose one. The dog walks in. If it doesn't me, I'm leaving. I'm literally walking out the door. <laughs> oh, the password. And at the beginning, we all had one password. It was our, it was our first password we can nostalgically remember. And we used it for everything. Every time we joined another business. Can I have your password? Yes, you can. That is my special word. <laughs> and then companies started getting quite rude. You would put your password in and it would go, weak, who are you <laughs> to judge my special word? <laughs> and they're like, I'm sorry, but the internet has become very popular. We need to strengthen your password. And businesses would insist, we must have from you a capital letter. I'm sorry, we will not be accepting passwords anymore unless it contains at least one capital letter. And we all momentarily considered our options before deciding to capitalize the first letter of our password. And for a period of time, that was fine. But the internet became even more popular. And then businesses started saying, I'm afraid you cannot join unless you have at least one capital letter and at least one number. Again, less than half a microsecond's consideration before we collectively decided you should be getting the number one and that would be at the end of my now capitalised password. And for a period of time, this was acceptable until a whole new, unexpected and exciting dawn emerged. A world of special characters. We didn't even know what they were. And businesses would say, we need a capital letter. We need a number, but we will also require a special character. And we clicked on the button. Please, can I have some examples of these special characters which you now insist upon? And we perused them. There they are. I had no idea these characters were so special until all of our eyes stopped upon the exclamation mark. <laughs> You're coming with me. Which we then put at the end of our now capitalised password, just after the one. <laughs> and it's at this moment that everybody at the London Palladium is thinking, I should probably change my password. <laughs> I'm probably going to do that tomorrow. I'll do that now. We need to think of another special word. Got to get that changed. Bath. It's too hot and it's normally our own fault. We don't have time to wait when we run the hot tap, when we run the cold, we don't have time to wait for the full proper temperature 
to reveal itself. You just have a, that should be fine. You go away into your busy life and you come back and you normally know as soon as your foot goes in. As soon as it goes in, you normally go, oh, I've, I've run that a bit too hot. But often you don't realise it until you're in already. You get in and you start lowering yourself because it takes a while for the information that your feet are burning to reach your brain where the information has to go to tell you about it. Because it's a really quite a long way for the information to travel. So you start lowering yourself and you're thinking, something doesn't feel altogether right here. Then it just hits you. Now, a split-second decision, do I stay or do I go? And many times you just go, I can't, oh my God, I can't! And you end up standing naked in your bathroom. You look down, you've got these sort of red skin socks of pain. Ow! Look what I did to myself. Then you have to empty the hot out, put cold in, which involves sacrificing your arm to plunge to the pluck. Pluck plunging. Very dangerous. You look at your arm as if to say, this will hurt, I do apologise. Brace <laughs> yourself. Ah! Sometimes you can't get a purchase. You're like, I could lose my arm! <laughs> but the braver amongst us, there's many here tonight, and I count myself amongst you, will hover paddle. This is where you get into the bath, even though it hurts, and you hover over the surface. You get the cold on, and you start paddling like a man. We can change this. It's getting better all the time now. Be brave. Be brave. And you inherently know it's time to change direction now. Come on. It's getting better. It's getting better. Come on. And then you have to test it. How is the water going? Is it ready? to fully submerge. And you do this with your bottom. You select your bottom, and the task of your bottom is simply to dip in to see, is it ready? How's it going? How's it going? This is where I forget, unfortunately, that I have balls. <laughs> it's not so much that I forget. It's more the angle of dangle. Are now the closest thing to the surface of the water, not my bottom after all. And it comes as a nasty surprise. Ah! It's the most sensitive part of the human body. It's the last part of the human body, let's be honest, that you would volunteer to test boiling water with. No one's ever handed me a cup of tea and said, Michael, this might be a little bit on the hot side. Well, we shall soon find out, my friend. <laughs> well, you are. Little bit more milk. Just a splash. Just tested it with my hover paddle hardened bollocks there, my friend. Have you been to Scandinavia before? The, the hotel was just all minimalist, you know? Just everything was just what you needed, you know, just a bed and sink. But it was good, because normally hotels, they get very confusing now. You, you, don't, you never know where the light switch is for stuff, or they have these sensor lights now, where you go in the bathroom and it just comes on. And you think, oh, that's good. But then you're on the loo and it goes off. <laughs> and you have to try and get it back on, so you're still doing things you don't really want to be doing. 
And I, it's been so long since I've stayed in the hotel. They just had a normal tap that you turn on and you turn off. But they couldn't work the taps. I'm in this hotel room in Oslo trying to get water. <laughs> and I, I called maintenance. And the guy just came up and went, you do this, you do that, idiot. <laughs> so I was very happy to be in this quite simple hotel room in Norway. And what I really liked was just one switch. There's like one master switch next to the door that controlled the whole room. So I thought, oh, this is so easy, because normally, you know, you've got to find the switch for different sections of the hotel room, then the lamps next to the bed, you don't know if it's on the neck. You know, you've got fiddling for the neck. <laughs> or you look at the wire, is it on the wire? Is it on the wire? Or oh, the neck, is it the neck or the wire? And then after about 20 minutes, oh, it's the stampy one, it's the stampy one! <laughs> so I was so thrilled that just one light turned everything off, one switch turned everything off, so I went. And this was after my gig, I was a little, I'd had a couple of drinks and it was late, and I thought, oh, I'll just switch that off, obviously bedtime. And it's hard to get back to the bed now because it's dark. So I'm, so I'm doing that walk when you're expecting to hit something. <laughs> so I got into my bed, and unbeknownst to me, and I have no idea why this was there, there was a switch behind the pillow that also controlled the same lights. <laughs> so I lay in the bed, and then all the lights in the room went on. <laughs> I thought someone had come in. Hello? Hello? <laughs> Is there somebody there? Hello? Well, <laughs> oh, that's very peculiar. So I went over. To the door. <laughs> Turn the lights off, dark again, make my way slowly back to the bed. Got myself in, lay as soon as my head hit the pillow, the lights went back up. What on earth is going on? So I marched back quite quickly. I convinced myself of some kind of sensor, so this time I was very, very careful. I slowly got to the bed and nothing happened. And I was like, oh, this is fine. Rolled over, the light went on again. <laughs> so I, ph I phoned maintenance. Now, bear in mind, this man at maintenance already thinks I'm completely mental as a person. <laughs> so I call him. I'm lying there now in the light. And lo there's a knock on the door. I go, oh, thank you. Thank you for coming. He said, is it taps again? No, the taps are fine. <laughs> Watch this, the lights keep going on and I don't know, I don't know why. There's something wrong. After a certain amount of time, they just go on. Okay, I'm going to show you, all right? So I turn the light off and I'm standing in the dark with this Norwegian man. <laughs> follow, follow me, come with me. I'm holding him a bit. Come on, come with me. Come on, come with me. All right, all right. Are you there? Yes. Just stand there. <laughs> just going to get into the bed, okay? I lay in the bed and nothing happened. I'm just lying. I'm lying in the dark. And he just stood there and went, please let me go. So I want to go. So he, he was knocking over furniture. He made his way out to the door in the dark. I rolled over and the lights went on. Oh. I was going to tell you about my private life. Um, I've had some good news recently is that I've got... Um, my wife has always had a dream, okay, to own a little place in the countryside. And it became my dream when she told me about it every day for 10 years. <laughs> <laughs> and
And recently, I bought a little place in the countryside for us, beautiful little place. It's very remote, very isolated, very private, rolling hills. It's, it's surrounded by a farm. It's not our farm, but it's just lovely. We didn't tell the children we were getting it. It was the most magical day when we first moved in, and we were standing outside, all of us, my children running around in the fields. They couldn't believe it, giggling, and the sun going down, and my wife and I holding hands, going, we did it. It's amazing. I'm so happy. And tears. It was beautiful. And lovely little animals, little birds, because you don't see lice birds in London, you know. In London we have pigeons, sort of suicidal pigeons, <laughs> sort of come in front of the car, just look at you, kill me, end my life, it's not worth it. <laughs> and they just smile for the last second, I don't even have the guts to end it! <laughs> it's country, all these multicoloured birds coming out of the woods, like they were welcoming us to the country, making lovely noises. Like they were saying, hello, welcome, thank you, thank you for coming. Hands, children running around, lovely. Then the sun went down completely. Absolute total darkness. Pitch black, terrified. We were both looked at where we thought we were. Darling, are you there? I can't even see you. We should go to London. We can't do this, can we? We can't do this. Where are the children? Children! And it was like all those lovely daytime animals were instantly replaced by the night shift animals. <laughs> Noises from birds I've never heard before. Sinister sounds. Googled what bird sounds like a child screaming in the woods. Seriously. There was just this. My whole family holding hands in a 360, edging to where we hoped the house was. In London, when you see a fox, you see it for a second and you just go, oh look, there's a fox, and then it disappears, like into thin air. In the country, you hear the noises they make. They make this vile sort of, like they're vomiting violently. There was this fox just walking towards us. That was the... On heat, is there a more sinister sound out there than a cat ah, sort of whining? Ah, ah, ah. If only women were like this, how much easier would my teenage years have been? <laughs> have you met Beverly? Ah. I think Beverly's up for it. I think you're right, Dave. Leave me to it. we made it into the house. You know, people in the country, they say things like, we never lock our doors in the country. Are you joking? I was putting furniture in front of the door. <laughs> I opened the curtains to see what it was like. There was a fox in my face. <laughs> oh my God, it's getting worse. Because <laughs> the fear is someone's going to break in in the night. What are you going to do if someone breaks in in the countryside? In London, you tell them where you live, you tell them your, your road, your postcode, the number, then the police will come to your house. In the country, people say things like, ignore the postcode, that takes you to another house. <laughs> or why don't you swap postcodes with that house? <laughs> Every house just has names. The Glebe House, the Rectory, the Little Cottage on the Hill. 
I just spend my whole life giving people directions. There's a dip, there's a dip in the road. You'll, you'll feel it, you, you won't see it, you'll feel a slight dip. There's some roadkill, it used to be there. There might be some roadkill, there's a left, there's a sharp left. You think you're driving into a hedge, you've got to trust it's there, you've got to trust it's there. Then you'll be on a lane for about a mile, then you'll come to a huge oak tree. Then you know you've gone too far, you must turn back and go back there. For God's sake! You can't be saying this to the police on the phone. You might as well pass it on to the burglar. How did you find the place? Can I put you on? Do you mind? Because the onus is on us as men. This is what my wife does. Every time there's a noise in the house, she wakes me up in bed. She's like, did you hear that? Did you hear that? Coming from the kitchen, did you hear that noise? And I always deny it, even though I, I've heard it because I'm awake, terrified. And I said, no, no, it must be the wind, even though I know there's no wind in the kitchen. She always says the same thing. Go and see. Go on, go downstairs and see. I'm always like, well, that wasn't exactly the way I was going to handle this situation. I was hoping we would hide as a family. <laughs> and await rescue. <laughs> but Michael, you're the man of the house. Yes, you're right, I am the man of the house, but what concerns me at this very moment is I think there's another man in the house. <laughs> and I've decided to make him the man of the house on this occasion. <laughs> but what about the children? Good idea, send one of them. Send the older one, the nine-year-old. <laughs> I've also had five teeth out. <laughs> this year, okay? That's bad, I know. Four wisdom teeth, all of them, and another tooth I've had to have out because I've had terrible trouble with my teeth. It all started last year, I had this pain in my tooth because, you know, last year I was fine, my knee was fine, my calf was fine, my shoulder was fine, I was in pretty good nick. Then I had this pain in my tooth and I went to the dentist, you know, as you do, open my mouth, which is key. Obviously, you have to, you have to be asked. <laughs> you don't just walk in, ha? Huh? <laughs> so I sat in the chair and he's like, he looks at my mouth, he's like, you know what, you've got a rotting wisdom tooth, I've got to take it out. I've got to take it out, it's rotting. And I didn't really mind. I didn't even know I had wisdom teeth, to be honest. I know that my wife's had them out, so I'm like, yeah, fine, whatever you like. Also, there's a TV there, I was watching this morning, it's right in my face. I was watching Philip Schofield chatting away. I was like, yeah, go for your life. So he just got to work, and I just lay there, and I, I lay there for a while, I don't know, maybe an hour, maybe more than an hour. And I thought, I've been here ages. So I flicked my eyes over, you know, to see if the dentist was okay, and he wasn't, oh my God, it's quite stressed. Sort of sweat coming off his forehead. He was straining like this. <laughs> So I tried to ask him if it was okay, which is hard when your mouth is completely numb and he had, like, equipment in it. Came out as one sort of sound. <laughs> Just one noise. Like a Northern Irishman saying mirror. That's an odd moment. <laughs> I was looking in the mirror. They're not even in the dentist. I don't know what's going on there. I was like, <laughs> And he pulled back and he went, no, 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 I'm not okay. I'm not okay at all. I thought it was something personal. I was like, oh my God. Tell me what the matter is. You poor thing. He said, I've been a dentist for 30 years. Congratulations, that's excellent. That excellent career. Really well done. And I've never not been able to get somebody's tooth out. I can't get your tooth out. It's stuck. So, okay, look, you need to calm yourself down. <laughs> I know you're Okay, I'm not in any pain whatsoever. I've got nowhere to be. I'm watching this morning. I'm absolutely completely fine. Go away, have a cup of tea, chill out, come back, try again. I believe in you. <laughs> he says, the reason you don't feel any pain is I've numbed your mouth, okay? Look, and he passed me a mirror. I am not going to lie to you. Till the day I die, 
I will never forget the image that greeted me in the reflection, okay? This side of my face was literally twice the size of this side. There was bruising, I hadn't even noticed. My bib was covered in blood already, I didn't even see it. There was blood dripping out the side of my face like a sort of vampire. My eye was sort of closing, I was like, what the fuck are you done to me? <laughs> this is what I was trying to tell you, we've got to get you out of here. I've got to get you to a hospital, follow me! And he ran out of the room. I just followed on behind him. Hello? Excuse me, hello? <laughs> I have to say, I felt particularly sorry. The poor people in the waiting room, you know, they're sitting there with the, with the fish tank, reading old magazines, reassuring their children everything was going to be fine at the dentist's visit. I come out with bruising, blood all over my bib, blood coming out the side of my mouth. Excuse me? Has anybody seen the dentist? They were like, okay, children, you were right. Come with mummy. Come on, come with mummy now. Come on. <laughs> I turned around to that idiot on reception. There's some woman there. She's like, would you like to book an appointment with the hygienist? <laughs> the hygienist? I need a fucking plastic surgeon. <laughs> Where's my dentist gone? I look out the door. This idiot is in his car. He's in his car with the door open. He's still got his gloves on. He's going, get in. <laughs> get in. Are you serious? <laughs> Just get in. So I get in the car with this man. He starts hurtling through the streets. Literally 10 minutes earlier, I was in the dentist chair in relative comfort watching this morning. Now we're driving through traffic. He's hooting and swearing. My wife actually called me up on the phone. Hello? Hello? Hello, darling. You still at the dentist? I'm with the dentist. <laughs> you mean you're at the dentist? I'm not at dentist. I'm with dentist. <laughs> you mean you're at the dentist? No, I'm not at the dentist. I'm with the dentist. Why are you being so pedantic? I'm not being. Pum, bum, bum. <laughs> I'm in the car. Oh, you're on your way home. I don't know where I'm going. <laughs> well, what is wrong with you? The dentist is riding. <laughs> the dentist is riding. No, he's writing. He's writing. The dentist did writing. The dentist is rising. The dentist did writing. The dentist is writhing. I'll call you a waiter. You're calling a waiter. You're having lunch with the dentist. Leave it. Finally, we show up at this door. He's like, You see that door? I'm like, Yeah. Go in there, okay? That's a hospital. They're going to treat you. You're going to be fine. They know to expect you. Just tell them your name. Everything's going to be fine. Get out. Come on. Get out. So I get out to this guy, he just drives off, he leaves me. I'm now standing on the pavement, right? I've still got the bib on, the blood-soaked bib, I'm standing there. I saw my reflection in the glass, I have to say, I looked horrific. I was worried it was going to startle the receptionist, so I came in at my best angle. <laughs> Hello, sir, can I help you? Yes, I was wondering... <laughs> She's like, oh my God! Oh my God! Have you been attacked? Like, no, I haven't been attacked. I don't go out in the bib expecting a thought. <laughs> I haven't been attacked so many times, I now wear absorbent clothing. <laughs> Apparently, you're expecting me. <laughs> so, um, okay, sir, can I take your name, please? Now, the problem is, and you'll know this if you're a local anesthetic, you can't move your lips. I had no control of my lips, and you need that to do certain letters of the alphabet. The M, for example, greatly requires lip work. <laughs> and I couldn't do it. I need that to identify myself. So she's like, can I take your name, please? Yes. 
If I come knocking, caca. I call Akin Kaka. Aku Akin Dabu. Aku Akin Gonga. Oh, what's my lip? Right, OK, I think the best thing for you to do is if you head down the corridor, take a seat in the waiting room, and we'll try to get to the bottom of this, OK? Now, I'm not going to lie to you. I was quite pissed off she didn't recognise me, OK? I've done quite a lot of television. I know that this side of my face was pretty much, you know, unrecognisable, but this side was fine. I tried to jog her memory as I went down the corridor. Unbelievable! <laughs> she said look around. So we're getting to the waiting room now, and the anaesthetic starts to wear off. I feel a bit, you know... It hurts a bit now. I'll start making this sort of low, sort of E.T. type sound on my own in the corner. <laughs> I, tried, I, I tried to be nice. I tried to look at other people in there. <laughs> Thankfully, I think for everybody, the nurse came in quite quickly. Akul Akinkaka? I didn't respond, I just sat <laughs> She came right up to my face. Excuse me. Uh, Are you Akul Akinkaka? No. <laughs> Sorry, what is your name? Akul <laughs> Akinkaka. <laughs> that is actually me. Sorry, Taps. This is my real name, obviously, Akul Akinkaka. But here they know me as Akul Akinkaka. I'm a <laughs> so they take me up into this room, sort of private room, and she's really nice to me now. She's like, oh my god, you've had a terrible day, haven't you, sir? Now, I have. I had a real horrible day. Please, are you going to help me? Like, yes, don't worry, don't panic at all. We do this all the time. We're going to give you a general anaesthetic. We're going to take your tooth out. Everything's going to be fine. If you just want to take all your clothes off and pop this hospital gown on, we'll take you straight through to surgery. For all my clothes off. So you take all your clothes off, pop the gown, and we'll take you through. Why do I have to take all my clothes off? All the patients have to wear the hospital gown. That's, that's, that's hospital policy. If you don't think I understand the situation, I've got a problem with my tooth, which is located in my lap. I don't have a tooth embedded in my arm. They cannot wear my home clothes. But no, you'll know what it's like if you've been to hospital. They humiliate you for no reason at all. You have to put this sort of piece of shit, floral, thin gown on the wrong way round with your ass hanging out. I have to go into the loo with this gown, with my literally my bare bottom hanging out of the back, and you put this on for no reason. It's why everyone in the hospital has their clothes on the right way round. You have to put it on like that. I'll come out. Satisfied? <laughs> yes, that's perfect. Fuck off, it's perfect. <laughs> I've got a tooth hanging out, and now I go nug bum out. There's no reason why I have to have nug bum out. It's disgraceful, it's despicable, it's deplorable, it's abhorrent. What on earth are you going to do for me? I'm the general aesthetic that requires access to my ass. I'm pretty. <laughs> there will be repercussions. There'll be what? Repercussions! Don't take that tone with me, Mr. Akinkaka. For the last time! 
My name is Akengaka. <laughs> now I have to follow this woman down the corridor, literally down the corridor. There's no way I'm going to walk down a hospital corridor with my arms just flapping away here. So people just happen to be behind me looking at my ass. No, that is not going to happen. So I go down the, I go down the wall like this. Unbelievable. Then no reason why I have to have a runner. Why have a runner? Somebody actually doing the same thing towards me. All right, quickly, Evie! Thank you. <laughs> Finally, they lie me down on a hospital bed and I'm thrilled now because I'm my ass is concealed. I'm happy. The anaesthetist comes in, a very serious, sort of quite old man. Hello. I'm the anaesthetist. I'm going to give you a general anaesthetic. I'm going to knock you out. I'm going to give you a small prick on your left arm. You're going to be knocked out immediately. You okay with that, Michael? I'm like, oh, Michael. <laughs> That's my name. He says, yes, I know exactly who you are. My three daughters are big fans of yours. Oh, that fair kind. Thank you. Thank you. Then he put the needle in my arm and he went, my wife and I not so keen, and put me out. <laughs> oh, the day I was that. I was like, you mother. I don't know how many hours later, two or three hours later, I didn't know where I was. Sometimes I wake up at home in a deep sleep and I don't know where I am. This was the deepest sleep I've ever had. It was a general anaesthetic. I woke up, it was in bed, it was bright, it was hot. I'd come out of the covers. You know when, you know when like in a heat wave you come out, you know? When your ass is like the highest point, you come out of the duvet. You know when you're lying down, uh, at some stage during the night, the duvet sort of tucks in and you just sort of roll out. Like <laughs> so I wake up. Within moments, I feel this breeze coming in the back. <laughs> so I turn around to see my entire family standing there. <laughs> At which point my son said, pants down, you're the loser. <laughs> oh, it's family for the internet! Thank you very much, ladies and gentlemen, bravo! the noisiest of foods. Why do we eat popcorn in the cinema? And isn't it amazing how we eat popcorn as well? You lose all dignity when you know that nobody can see you. Look what happens to our behaviour when we know no one's watching. The lights are off, the popcorn's there, just flick it near your face. You don't really care if it lands in or out because you know no one's looking and if you miss your face, you can pick it off your body later. You wouldn't do this with the lights on in public on a first date. Pass me that new potato. <laughs> I love all that awkwardness because people get very upset when people don't arrive to their seats in chronological order. People want people to arrive and there's nothing worse than having to stand because you know, when there are seats available, you can't relax. Sooner or later they might come. Don't settle in yet. Here they come and they keep walking. It wasn't them. Maybe it's soon. And then when they do come, you have options. Either you stand or you twizzle. Now, <laughs> This is a split-second decision. You have to judge the dimensions of the human very quickly and then go twizzle. Sometimes you fuck up, you twizzle, they're wedged in. Back up! I should have stood. <laughs> Sometimes people just sort of arch their back, which doesn't help at all, but they, but they want to show that they've made some kind of effort. They just go... Okay. Does that help? Seat. I had somebody on the tube lead all the way to their seat with their arse so they wouldn't waste time. It was me and him against each other for a seat. 
and I turned, and he wasn't wasting valuable seconds turning. He went all the way down the carriage with his ass. <laughs> and sat down. Ha! You shouldn't have turned, my friend. You turned, you lose. You've got to be careful now you sit. You sit incorrectly, your body will punish you. You'll be punished by the pins and needles, right? You sit incorrectly, you cut off some... This is obviously sitting incorrectly. <laughs> you cut off some kind of blood flow, and then your leg will die. And then you'll feel a tingling, and then you can... You'd start... You, there's nothing you can do. It's irreversible. You know pins and needles are imminent. You tell other people about it. I'm going to get pins and needles. <laughs> I think I'm going to get pins and needles. They will offer advice. We're going to toes! We're going to toes! And then you wait, and then it strikes, and... You ever tried to walk with pins and needles? One of the most difficult things I've ever had to do was to get off the bus at my stop when pins and needles struck at that exact moment. I literally was like, ah, 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 ah. And then I heard this voice going, can we let him off first, please? Do you mind just let him go? And people were separating, and I had to walk through the middle going, ah, hang on. I got off the bus and I realised I had to continue walking like this. <laughs> My people who knew me were driving past going, bloody hell, he's bungalowed. What's going on there? <laughs> After a while I started walking normally. I felt like Kaiser Sose from the end of The Usual Suspect. If I'm going to go away, I need to get a new passport. I got, I, my passport's run out, which fills everybody with so much tension, and I've got to get a new photo for it. And they give you this A4 sheet of photos, advice on what you should use as your passport photo, because it has to rule certain things out, because they think people will be stupid enough to have this as their photo. So it has examples, then X's underneath to say, don't do that, we won't accept that. OK? One of the photos is a woman with all her hair in front of her face. <laughs> And it says, don't do that. I'm not going to do that. <laughs> Another one, it's a group photo, just a whole load of people. <laughs> and an arrow over one of their heads. <laughs> that's me, that's Susan, that's Ellie. I don't speak to him anymore. It's a right bar, so that's Victor. I slept with him. Lovely, lovely. The funniest one, you won't even believe this, it's the back of a man's head. Who <laughs> in their right mind would just go, that's it, that's me, that covers it. <laughs> People queuing up backwards. All right, it's obviously me. Where's baggage? Where's baggage? <laughs> when you're in the sea and you need to pee, do you pee in the sea? Don't even answer. Don't answer. I know the answer. <laughs> I know we all go through the same thought process. You're in the sea. You feel pee brewing. You think, I'd better get out of the water and pee in the loo, the loo that has been designed for this very moment. <laughs> but then you look into the water and you think, hang on a minute. This is where all the pee lives in the world. <laughs> I'm in the home of pee. <laughs> so you come to the conclusion that you could pee in the sea, because if you peed in the loo, the pee would beat you back into the water. <laughs> you can stand next to your own pee going, why did you do that? I don't know, I panicked, I thought it was civilised. <laughs> so we think we can pee in the sea, but obviously you still have to be, you still have to be in the water. All right, you can't, even though it's sort of acceptable, you still can't be standing on the beach going, <laughs> it all ends up there anyway. <laughs> Bring back your children, nothing's wrong here. But the problem with peeing in the sea is it's actually impossible for you to pee without your face revealing <laughs> that you're peeing 
in the sea. Something is linked between the muscle you use to push to pee and your facial expression. And it's unavoidable, all right? Next time you're on the beach, have a look into the water. You'll see children playing. You'll see people with bats and balls snorkeling. You'll see the classic scene. There is a man in there. Look for him. He's there, just going. There are certain situations that people will just not address in life. So sometimes when you're talking to people, a little spit will come out of it. <laughs> you know, you'll say something like, oh, petrol prices are a disaster. <laughs> and you get hit. But no one ever mentions it. You just get struck and you just, you just sit there, stand there or whatever, with spit on your face. <laughs> and the conversation is now as good as over, OK? You're both aware that this conversation is dead, but nobody mentions it. You don't go, oh, spitting on people's faces, are we? <laughs> But you're both, if you're spat on someone's face, you know it's happened. And if you've been spat on, you know it's happened. But you carry on the conversation. Oh, petrol is very bad. But in your mind, you're going, I've been spat on in the face by this spitting lunatic. <laughs> Just by way of applause, who has been spat on in conversation on the lip? <laughs> by way of applause, who hasn't? You're spitting on their lips, you see? <laughs> the world is divided. Into spitters and spitties, there's nothing worse. You have to let it linger and go, oh, okay, all right, mate, get right. <laughs> I was meeting somebody the other day, I said, What time should we meet? They said, Dusk. <laughs> dusk? What time is dusk? I don't know dusk. I'm supposed to watch the sun all day? <laughs> Sorry, are we having coffee or dueling? What's happening? <laughs> Dusk? What kind of a world are we on here? Is this dusk? Sometimes you don't know the time and you have to ask some people for time, and sometimes they don't know the time. And they don't just say, I don't, they don't know the time, they try to guess the time. <laughs> what a waste of time! You go to people, sorry, have you got the time? And they go, no, but I think it's about two. I'm sorry, I could do that myself. I didn't come up to you and go, guess the time! I'm looking for the actual time from a watch! I think it's about two, judging by the position of the sun. That's how they used to tell time from the sun. They used to have sundials. What about places with no sun? What about Scotland? They, did they know the time? <laughs> like, if you have sun three times a year, were people in Scotland in the old days just going, you got the time, pal? I know that three months ago it was two. That's all I know. <laughs> oh, I'm weak. People ask you the time, it's an odd moment, especially in London, when people aren't supposed to talk to each other, and they'll come over and they'll go, excuse me, and right that freaks you out. Like, oh, what? Who? Why? You? Why? Who are you? What do you want from me? This is all going on in your mind. Who is this crazy person who's come into my life? And they'll go, have you got the time? And then that all shifts. You're like, ooh, I've been selected for time. <laughs> you feel quite honored. You look at other people, you didn't want time from them. You've come direct to me for time. And then you look at your watch, and even though you know how to tell the time, and you've been telling time for many years of your life, you hope it's an easy time. <laughs> it freaks you out. If it's not quarter two or half past or quarter past, you've no idea what to do. Right. Ooh. Oh, it's 13. No, I would say, you do it, take it and leave. <laughs> I panic. 
One of the few times in life you talk to strangers is to ask them a time. There are certain socially acceptable times when you're allowed to talk to people that you don't know. The time, obviously, is one. Directions is another one. You can ask anyone directions. You ask people directions, and they will obviously endeavour to tell you the way. But they f people feel so under stress to come up with an answer. Even though you can see sometimes that you've asked the wrong person and they don't know, they don't just go, don't know. They try to look for inspiration. <laughs> I went up to this guy the other day and I was like, do you know the way to wherever it was? The Strand? And he just starts looking at this oh, <laughs> No, I'm from Spain. Why didn't you say that in the first place? <laughs> Have you got the time? I think it's about two. Fuck you! <laughs> Sometimes you ask for directions, but you don't need all the directions. You know quite a lot of the directions, right? For example, you know that where you need to be is over there. You know it. You just don't know where over there it is. So you call upon a stranger to help you. But then you'll say, do you know the way to such and such? And they immediately go, ah, oh, you want to go down there? And as soon as they started talking, you think, oh, this man knows nothing. He's wrong. I'm wasting my time with this person. But you can't stop him. You can't just go, you're wrong. Because <laughs> that makes you look like a weirdo. You can't go, do you know the way to such and such? Ah, oh, no, it isn't. Like I've just decided to quiz you on geography. <laughs> You don't know where you are! <laughs> you have to listen to them to tell you the whole thing. And not only that, when they finish, you have to walk the wrong way. <laughs> you can't have someone go, you want to go straight down there and go, well, thank you so much. <laughs> you have to walk their way, and then when they're not looking, you go your way! <laughs>
You know Northerners come and move to the, London and they lose the accent really quickly. I hate that. You say to people, like, where are you from? Oh, I'm from Sheffield. Yeah, I'm from Sheffield. <laughs> yeah, I just love it. I'm really, I'm, really, I'm you know, I'm, I'm just, I'm Northern girl through and through, yeah. I'm really into steel, really into steel. Just love Sheffield. <laughs> How long have you been living in London? Yeah, three weeks now, just three weeks now. Three weeks now, I'm just living here three weeks now. I'm really settled in, really settled in. I'm like, well, what about your accent? I've still got my accent, yeah. When I've had a drink, it all comes back. <laughs> I just love it, it's sort of the end of work. You want to go for a drink? Yes, I'd love a drink. I'll have a dry white wine. Did I need that? <laughs> what a day! <laughs> I will be attempting a vague Yorkshire accent. <laughs> I'll do my own work. Hey up! Hey up! That's supposed to be hello, according to you. <laughs> summit! Summit! Gotta get. I walked past the person yesterday who said, I gotta get summit in my stomach. Obviously, a food lover there. <laughs> summit, now! Now! And my favourite, of course, is the fact that the, the word the has not reached this area. Because <laughs> we have it in the south, it's freely used, the word the. I don't know when it is, I think somewhere around junction 25 of the M1, the word the just stops at services and go, I can go no further. <laughs> I'm going to stay here with my friends, nothing and something. We'll stay here. For... You go on ahead, okay? <laughs> you're sure they're not coming? No, 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 no. They can just go, experience of this is when I went to the cinema in Leeds a few years ago, I saw The Lion, The Witch and The Wardrobe. <laughs> I had more fun asking the woman what I'd booked to see than watching the entire film itself. <laughs> Sorry, what is it, what is it I'm seeing here today? To answer Witch and to Wardrobe! <laughs> Are you kidding? Wanna see something else? Wanna see something else? Is this now else to see here? Taking toothpaste. <laughs> I thought it'd be a nice idea, maybe just for a bit of fun, to go to HMV and get The Lion, the Witch and the Wardrobe, The Good, the Bad and the Ugly, and an album by 70s sensation The The, and line them up on the counter of HMV in Leeds City Centre. What is it I'm purchasing here today? To Lion, to Witch and to Wardrobe. To Good, to Bad and to Glad. And to, to... <laughs> Thank you so much. <laughs> Next person in the queue. Have you got Nout compared to me by Sinead O'Connor? <laughs> Have you got this summit about Mary? <laughs> Have you got A up by Lionel Richie? <laughs> A up. Is it me you're looking for? Let's find out where we're all from, ladies and gentlemen. Um, where are Londoners? Applaud if you're a Londoner. Yeah, very good. <laughs> Northerners! Northerners? Yeah, where are you from? Where are you from? Newcastle. All right, that's nice. Well done in the football. That's going well, isn't it? I'm sorry to do the accent. I, everywhere I go, I try to speak in the accent. Do you know what I mean? Irish. I'm not very good at this accent. But the Irish accent, it seems quite jolly, doesn't it? Hello! How are you? It's jolly. As long as you're smiling, you can do a pretty good Irish accent. But Northern Irish, there's a right next door to them. Suddenly, everything in the whole world seems incredibly depressing to me right now. How can your face can do completely opposite to that? I'm over here! But I'm right next door to you, and I decided I'd do I don't understand how these accents can evolve like that. Some evolution of accents, I understand. Like, when you go west in England, when you, when you head west, you'll hit, like, Bristol 
And they've got this like West Country like that. They'll start talking like that. We're in Bristol now. We're a little bit busy. So we speak basically with this accent, but it's quite fast because we're like a city. We've got like things to do. We've like, got businesses and that, right? We've got like a city centre. <laughs> then you go to Devon. You keep going west, you go to Devon, and it's the same accent, but it's a bit slower now, all right? We don't have quite as much going on here as they do in the city of Bristol. We're in Devon now, so we're just going to speak in the same accent, but we'll just take our time with it, because we've got more time, right? By the time you get to Cornwall, it's just... <laughs> you get a sense of the evolution. The funniest accent for me is South African. Right? The South African accent is quite a fun one to do, yeah? If you've got some time on your hands, you can do the South African accent on your own, yeah? As long as you make sure that every syllable that you say has nothing to do with the syllable that comes directly before the one you've just said, you're pretty much doing a South African accent, okay? Australia's quite fun, okay? There's a lot of Australians living over here in London, they're pretty, you know, they, they talk quite fast as well, they're pretty hyper, yeah? because they've come a long way, you know? They're going to make the most of it. It's like, you know, it took me a day, I lost a day of my life to be here, so I'm going to make up for it now, OK? They find out where the decibel level is in the room, and we're going to go slightly above that, OK? That's how we're going to play it over here in London. So when I went to Australia touring, I thought it was going to be full of people doing this. Hello, welcome to Australia! They're not like that at all. The people who haven't left Australia are the most relaxed people I think I've ever come across. <laughs> they literally have all the time in the world to finish sentences. I mean, we're 13 hours ahead. You're never going to catch up anyway. 